fact that yesterday we lost a, a Torah giant, uh, someone who in some ways uh, could be considered to be an heir to, to Hersheyan philosophy. And I'm referring to, to Rabbi Sachs, right? To, to the great Rabbi Lord Sachs who passed away yesterday after a short battle with uh, cancer that had come back for the, actually the third time already that he was faced with this same cancer. Um, so although he is different than Hirsch in the sense that he was the rabbi of the world almost, you know, the, the secular and the and non-Jewish world as well, there was a similarity to Rabbi Hirsch in the sense that he also would find these incredibly uplifting messages from passages in the Torah that seem to be, you know, just the, the history of a, of a small nation, a small tribe, and he would figure out these universal messages that describe the, the purpose of, of life. And that's something that I think he does, he did have in common with Rav Hirsch. So we are up to letter two on page 15. And we're gonna go back a tiny bit to the, to the third paragraph at, on page 15. And he's describing how we have to learn what the Torah means. We have to learn it from the actual Torah, from the original source. Before we open it, however, let us consider how to read it as a subject for philological or antiquarian, antiquarian research, as corroboration for antediluvian and geological hypotheses, is the purpose of this book going to be an academic pursuit? In the expectation of finding revelations of esoteric mysteries, right? I think today we, we have a sense even more of what this is. There are people who, you know, the, the Kabbalah for the masses and people who deal with like the Torah codes and finding like secrets of Judaism hidden within the Torah. And while that's all nice, but that's not that's not the the main part of Judaism. But by any by any stretch of the imagination, right? The meat and potatoes of Judaism certainly is what the Torah offers us as a teachings for how to live our lives. Certainly not. As Jews, we will read this book as a book tendered to us by God in order that we learn from it about ourselves, what we are, and what we should be during our earthly existence. We'll read it as Torah, literally instruction, directing and guiding us within God's world and among humanity making our inner self come alive. After all, we are attempting to know and understand Judaism. Let us place ourselves within Judaism and ask ourselves, what kind of people are they who accept this book as the God-given basis and way of life? So let's look at source at the, at the footnote number eight. Okay, this is gonna be a long footnote, but it's, it's a very important footnote and it's kind of foundational to our understanding of what Refersh's objective was in writing this book and what his objective really was in in his life, uh, lifelong vocation, right? His mission of trying to explain to a hostile, a hostile audience the eternal truths of the Torah. The author repeatedly comes back to this idea in his writings and notably in the last letters of the 19 letters. His demand for a, I don't know how to pronounce that word, Judaism, which is understood from within itself, right? That idea is obviously German for an idea that can be extrapolated deductive reasoning from itself as to what the purpose of it is. Can be taken in the simplest sense to mean that like any other object of study, Judaism should be understood and evaluated in terms of what it is meant to be, not in terms of what an outside onlooker wants it to be. We would not judge a fishnet by its ability to hold water for it was not designed for that purpose. Likewise, Judaism should not be evaluated by whether or not it promotes our standards of happiness and perfection, or by any other criteria foreign to it. It cannot be judged fairly from without by the academic scholar applying his own set of premises or by the ordinary person who is 
prisoner of his own prejudices, experiences, and time-bound ideas, right? Incredibly important thing that the, the, the editor is putting in over here, right? That, that ultimately, we all get so caught up in, in, in the certainty of that whatever the truths that our generation has discovered, those are like going to be the truths that last forever, right? But in truth, I think there are certain things that we know will last a long time, certain things might not last a long time, and certain things they might feel good now, and intuitively they do seem correct to us. But if we could really sit down and look at the arc of history, we would recognize that these are ideas that will indeed go back out of vogue, right? So if those things seem contradictory to the Torah, that shouldn't be a contest. Rather, it is necessary to put oneself four square within Judaism, to try to think along the lines suggested by it, and to seek in this way to come to a meaningful understanding. If this rule applies to any human object that is to be studied, it is particularly applicable to Judaism. It does not make sense to measure by criteria that are foreign to it, because all such criteria would be human, whereas the Torah is God's teaching and cannot be measured by man's limited and ever-changing insight, right? That, that, that right here, you know, the, those, uh, those four sentences are incredibly powerful idea, and, and that is completely foundational to the Hirschian philosophy of life. Instead, we have to extract from the Torah itself what it seeks to teach us. From the mitzvos, we can gain an understanding of the ideas and values inherent in them, as long as we are careful not to interpret them according to alien, speculative philosophies, but rather follow the guidance of the written and oral law. So now, this is, you know, clearly he's, what he's describing over here is the idea that, that Hirsch was, was combating his whole life, which was the idea that you can separate the, the mitzvot of the Torah into the mitzvot that make sense and the mitzvot that don't make sense. Now, by definition, when you say make sense, there's really an additional phrase that needs to be added to that. What does make sense? The additional phrase is to me, right? Because each individual, something makes sense to me, doesn't make sense to someone else, depending on my life experiences and how I come about reacting and sort of assimilating these ideas in my life, it might make sense to me, it might not make sense to someone else, right? So the idea of saying making sense to a human is, is really childish in the first place, right? But if you believe that the Torah was given by Hashem, then you recognize that it makes sense. And any flaws in our understanding are just that, flaws in our understanding. When we try to understand to the greatest extent possible, we have to do that following the guidance of the written and oral law. From the text of the Torah, we can draw deep insight into God's teachings, as long as we try to understand the verses from within, according to the unique spirit of the sacred language, and are guided by the oral tradition. The conviction that the Torah must be understood out of itself, and that we must put ourselves within it, in order to grasp it is a fundamental principle, according to Rabbi Shamshin Rafael Hirsch. In the latter parts of the 19 letters, he criticizes the Rambam for drawing on outside philosophies in his interpretation of Judaism. Right? So the Rambam, and this is not the first person to criticize the Rambam for this, in, in the age of the Rambam, shortly after his age, many people at the Spanish school of thought, Judaism, right? The, the, they were Jews, they were Orthodox Jews, they were adherents of the Torah completely but they were enamored with philosophy. And what the Rambam had showed them was that it's possible to look at the mitzvot of the Torah and try to interpret it based on the philosophy of the Chacham. Who was the Chacham? Who was the wise one in the Rambam's words? Aristotle. Right? So the Rambam would say, here's a mitzvah in the Torah. It seems to me based on the Chacham, Aristotle, this is what the mitzvah is coming to do. Now, the sages of that time already realized that for weak-minded people, 
they would not be able to differentiate between, Rambam was just telling us theoretical means of helping develop and helping expand our understanding of the Torah and the mitzvot, but never, God forbid, to the exclusion of that only those mitzvot that make sense according to Aristotle should be kept. But indeed, there are people who took it to that next level, even during the Rambam's times. And what reverse is coming is against, as we said before, Mendelssohn, because Mendelssohn really took this, and Mendelssohn is, he himself was an Orthodox Jew, but he was the father, or at least laid the groundwork for Reformed Judaism to, to spring up. And he singles out the Ramban and Rabbi Yehuda HaLevi for adhering to the principle of spiritual self-sufficiency. What does that mean? That means that we do not need to look for outside disciplines to have a deeper understanding of Judaism. Rabbi Shamshun Fal Hirsch felt that the concepts of contemporary philosophy could often be useful in helping to expound and express the authentic teachings of Torah to a modern audience. And he did, he did indeed make use of Kantian concepts above all. But the teachings of Torah must first be developed and comprehended from within. Right? So, so what we're saying is like this. So to, to broaden our understanding once we have the basis for the mitzvah, once we have the basis of understanding of the Torah, to broaden it by using examples from philosophy and using the language that philosophy uses to help us understand it better. But the concepts are always going to have to be coming from the written Torah and the oral Torah. Right? I think I think this is what Sachs really specialized in, in, in terms of taking concepts that were really grounded in the way the sages understood the Torah, in the way a midrash would explain a Torah passage, and then using his background in philosophy to make this accessible for everyone, right? Accessible for, and not even just Jewish people, to be accessible for, for non-Jews as well, right? This is something which, it's, it, it is important to be able to do this, but it always has to be grounded and based on the understanding that the sages first revealed to us and that the written Torah itself reveals to us. But when we start from the viewpoint of first trying to look from a philosophical standpoint and then using that as our basis, then we're going to veer off into territory that can lead to a movement like reform to actually begin and blossom.